Welcome to the Voyager Podcast, hosted by Chris Fick and Brad Alexander. We're a weekly show about authentic faith in unlikely places. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We hope you're encouraged. Welcome back to the Voyager Podcast. My name is Brad Alexander. I'm here with Chris Fick. Hello. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we're just we're going for it in every direction. Hello. Thanks for tuning in. This is part two of Chris's um, testimony, backstory, and about growing up in the Redlands hardcore scene. We did part one last week, and um, we had aimed to do it in you know under an hour, but I just think you have such a relatable story. There's so much depth there, and there's so much worth talking about that we decided to break it into a part one and a part two. And uh, I'm thankful for that, and I, I'm hoping people will be blessed by both parts of it. So if you did not tune in last week, please listen to part one first, and this will be a continuation of Chris's story, part two. So you go through a season of kind of trying to figure out if this is the real thing, and, and let's kind of dive into some of that. And then I want to, after that, talk about how God had to deal with some of the stuff that was still present even after you became a Christian and and how some of that came back and had to be dealt with. But let's start with how do you have an encounter with God? So I graduate from high school. I remember most of high school trying to just listen to music so I don't have to think. It, w- it meant that I had to deal with myself. It meant that I had to like answer questions I didn't want to answer. So I'd have like, like disc men this is before I iPods. Yeah. <laughs> so good. And I would just listen to music until I fell asleep. So I didn't have to think. I was running and trying to avoid the pressing question of is God real? If he's real, that's gonna like change my life. And if he's not, in a sense it will too. And so I was avoiding the question. I went to junior college to play baseball, played a fall season at Valley Junior College. And that's where I was introduced to all kinds of different people, different religions, different whatever. And I'm like, I really got to figure this thing out. And so I just started seeking. I started reading. I remember going to the library and it's just like a book on like Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. And I just started reading it. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, where am I going? Yeah. I, I, I knew I came from a Christian family. like, it, So that was like my default. I'm like, what are the odds that I somehow lucked into the right one? But at the same time, I sensed there was something there. I sensed that there was God there. And I desired intimacy like that. I didn't feel really, still I didn't feel known by anybody. Because I was avoiding that. I was keeping people at at bay so I can show you what I want to show you. So even in my trying to be unique and authentic and stuff, I was still fronting. Now I was fronting with like, if you get too close, I'm going to go nuts. And I might do something unpredictable, either violent or funny but probably at your expense mm. uh but i was a wild card because i yeah. i didn't want anyone to be able to figure me out because i didn't want to figure me out i didn't know what to do with that wow and so i started having to wrestle with these things and i remember just like diving in deep listening to stuff messages whatever started reading the bible for the first time in my entire life really i'd heard stories and stuff which i'm grateful for but i'd never read it and I started reading it, and I came across the seek, ask, knock section in the Sermon on the Mount. I was like, well, it says seek, it says ask, and it says knock, and it says you're going to answer me. 
And then it's like if a if a dad will give you good things, how much more will like a really good dad, your father in heaven, give you? Okay, so show up. Like, where are you? You know? And he started showing up. And I was like, okay. Because my whole process, I said this, I think, in the intro, I was either all in or all out. Yeah. I was so it was like absolutely you. That's where I was at, you know? So it's like I'll either expose it or I'll go for it. Now I'm starting to realize, oh my gosh, this is the real thing. So I started going to church. And then I started going to the packing house of Redlands because I like you would not get judged the way you dress at that church. You you would not have no one will look at you weird if you wear a hat. The the ushers are wearing like cowboy boots and you know, I said this on another episode and tank tops and yeah. you see, <laughs> oh, this guy's working the children's ministry and he, you know, used to be a gangbanger, you know, like yeah. and I just was like, This is cool, man. There's some cool people here and you got to know them and oh my gosh, it was awesome. It was at that point, it was just ripping too. We were in a smaller building, about to build a build, bigger building, and so I just started going, and it was it was awesome. And God started getting a hold of me. I remember I I'd, I'd never tithed before in my life, and uh, we were on a snowboarding trip, and I got hurt, and so I ended up not being able to snowboard the last two days. So I had an extra like um, sixty bucks. What am I going to do with this extra sixty bucks? When you're eighteen, that's like might as well be like a thousand dollars. Yeah, and. Uh, I felt like God was telling me while I was up on the mountain, go to church on Sunday and give it to me and trust me because I'd never given a dollar ever. I'm like, this sounds like a crazy idea because I don't have any much money and I shouldn't have even gone down the snowboarding trip. So I get there and I'm like, I have the 60 bucks in my pocket. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. All of a sudden, uh, the offering plate comes around. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? It comes and I just, or it was a bag and I just threw it in there and passed it. I'm like, crap. <laughs> can you get change? <laughs> can I get can I get that back? They don't really, you know, that might not look so good. I just like did it in a second actually as soon as I did it I was like there was a moment of like oh, and then I was like perfect peace. Whether I ever see that again or not I had like perfect peace. It was God stretching me. And so when I end up next thing I I got to go to work. I'm like okay, I got to get some money. So I'm going to have to go to the bank and draw some money out and have any cash in, anymore. And so all of a sudden it was like late January. My mom said, Hey, your uncle sent you a late Christmas card and there's 20 bucks in it. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's going to get me gas. 20 bucks filled up the tank in 2001. And so, or 2000 or whatever it was. And, uh, so I, I ended up putting it in the tank and then Thursday night rolled around. I needed gas again. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go get money out. Thank you, God. I'm good. I was going to market night. I put on my jacket and put my hand in my pocket and there's $40 in the pocket. Whoa. And I don't misplace $40 at that point in my life. There's no way. It's it's too tight, you know? Yeah. And there's $40 in the pocket. You got your 60 bucks back. Within a week. That's crazy. Does that always happen? No. But it was a God showing me that he, like, was there. He cared. And he wanted me to trust him. Yeah. And so th- that whole season was, like, a bunch of those kind of things. I, so I'm not trying to be, like, sensational or weird. But this was these were, like, the foundational parts to my, like where God was like, no, 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 I'm here and I'm real. And you need to know this beyond a shadow of a doubt and I, experience this because that wasn't the end of my like fall. And I remember we shot your testimony video some like, wow, when was that? 2020? Yeah, it was 2020. It was We're going to revisit it. But um, I remember in there t- you told me that there was a guy doing like youth or something at the time. And you're like, can I ask you some hard questions? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. And he had like a anarchy tattoo on his arm or something. And you're like, clearly you're not just drinking the juice. So I want to talk to you. And I think it's cool that like, we kind of get to be that person for other people now. 
where they probably look at us and it's like, hey, you're not just trying to conform to a template. Like, obviously, your whole life has been about not conforming and pushing back. So, like, if you're here, there's probably reason for it. So, like, what's going on here? Totally. The other thing that I think is so cool, and this is by your nature, right, is you're someone who is very passionate and very, like, I want to dissect this. I want to know this. I mean, anyone who's been walking with the Lord any length of time has heard this before, where people will be like, um, well, all religions think they're right, and who could really know who is and who isn't, blah, blah. And I remember my little brother saying that to me at one point, and I was like, hey, man, have you done any of the research? If you really believe that, that all religions just are equal, all think they're right, and like maybe they all have something right, but you know, maybe they're all true, or maybe they're all the same person, blah, blah. It's like, no, I encourage you, if you really believe that, and if this thing is as important as we say it is, where it's like the meaning of life is found in this, then do some research. Mm-hmm. What do these people believe? What's the timeline? How about that one? Right. When did certain religions show up on the scene? What did they adapt or take away from religions that were already there or try and manipulate certain aspects of a religion that already existed? Mm-hmm. What are they promising? These answers aren't that hard to find, but you have to go and look for them. Yeah, and not on TikTok and not on Instagram, right? Right. The, so that's the part of the seeking. Seeking was not like, ah, just show up. It was like, I was like doing the work of like, man, I, I really want to know. And so I've said this to our youth, which is probably scary to a lot of parents. I don't have to say it to my own kids. If you don't believe it, don't fake it like you don't, like you don't, you know, like, but I have enough. I trust that God will reveal himself to you if you seek him, you know, because he's like, he'll, he'll show himself, like seek him with all your heart. He's going to, he's going to show up. Like, I I really believe that. Like, he's going to show up and you're going to see it. And so we try to tell that to the next generation because a lot of times they, like, learn how to, like, not ruffle any feathers and not make mom and dad feel uncomfortable or whatever or know how to get through church. But it's like, no, no, like, you're going to need to know this for yourself because I saw a lot of friends fall off that were part of the church thing. Even they're on worship teams and they're speaking even. And I think it's because they never had a real encounter with the actual living God and they learned how to do what people did. But it's like, man, there's nowhere else for me to go. That's my favorite verses, John 6 and 67 through 71. Uh, Jesus has just said to all these disciples, not just his 12, but like a whole bunch of them. And he said like, um, unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood, you have nothing to do with me. And they're just like, what? the heck are you talking about they didn't know what to do with it no we have context because we, we what do we know what's the body right right yeah so it's like we we have the it's the communion element like the lord's supper that it's like it's going to be the sacrifice sacrifice of his body the blood we're going to be drinking of the blood which is the the cup we do grape juice there's wine whatever right and that's the blood of the new covenant. It's the sacrificial system that was very much in place, Old Testament. They didn't have context. So people are like, oh my gosh, he's asking us to become cannibals. So a bunch of them left because they were confused. So Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? And then I love this response. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Like, that is... 
And that was me. As soon as I got into that place, it was like, I don't know everything. I'm confused by a lot of things. I'm not surrendering my life fully, obviously, but where else, I don't have anywhere else I can go. So it's kind of hopeless. It's like, it's either Jesus or it's nothing. Cause I, there's nowhere else I feel like I could find anything of any substantial, cause I've already seen the real thing. So that's Peter. He's like, I don't know what the heck you're talking about, but I know you're the Christ and we're going to see Peter blows it later bad. Yeah. But he ends up, because of what he knows and his experience and because of that foundation, he ends up becoming a huge part of what God's doing on the other side of the first church. So so cool, though. And it speaks to the authenticity of Jesus in the real deal. Yes. These people just followed him across the sea. And I think he knew that they just wanted to see miracles. And the first time he says something they can't understand, it's like, do some more miracles. And when he doesn't, they bail. Right. They didn't say, can you help us understand what you mean by what you just said or anything? And this is a guy who speaks in parables all the time. He's very good at helping people to understand what he's saying. And I think there's a reason why he didn't break this down for them at the time is like the first thing he said that they didn't understand, instead of trying to understand or trying to like figure it out because they actually cared... They bailed because all they really wanted was the fruit of the stuff he was doing. They just want to see miracles. They just want to be a part of a movement. But they're not really in that movement. The people who are really in the movement are the ones that are like, we don't understand what you said either, but where else are we going to go? We're with you. And once you experience it, it's just like the greatest joy is being connected with Christ. And then, but the greatest horror is not. So I, so that, that all happens to me. I'm mm-hmm. young. I'm like 18, 19, maybe. And then I stopped going to church. I, 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 I'm become bigger, more part of the hardcore scene. We start Death Star, which, okay. which is Eric and I, another Eric, we talk about it. And it's, he's working in an auto body shop in Rialto. And we're like, we should, he's like, let's do a band. We should do a band. Who should be in it? We just started naming off names, our friends. <laughs> That's you know, the origins of four, that. Four singers. I was like, let's have two singers. And he's like, let's have four. I'm like, all right, let's do four. So we just started putting it together we started we made music we ended up having you know a demo ready as i just saw it's like um 20 years old oh man yeah that's crazy yeah it's 20 years old but we had our first show everybody already knew the words we had over 300 people there like at it uh and it was it was awesome man i was having so much fun with that you know but i was very much lost my first love that band started off it was it was a straight edge band some of the guys in it weren't weren't Christians either at that time. Okay. Um, including including Tommy wasn't okay. a Christian at that time. Tommy Green, who we'll we're we're gonna chat with at at, at some point here. Absolutely. Uh, but, so um, a lot of the sleeping giant guys were in Death Star. Oh yeah, the Redlands bands, they're just all the same people, more or less. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I mean, there's there's people that cycle in and out. Yeah, my longtime best friend Harvey. Um, we've been friends since freshman year started our first punk band together but he was like the drummer of so many hardcore bands because it's like he's an amazing drummer so of course if someone's starting a band they're like go go see if Harv's down you know yeah the drummer might play like in three bands one night yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) oh yeah it's really funny so you become a Christian but we want to talk through that there was still, like God was still dealing with you, still sanctifying you, and it still is to this day, but there was some stuff from your past that kind of nipped you in the butt a little bit after you became a Christian. So 
Mm-hmm. You now are, are walking with God. You guys start Death Star. You kind of aren't going to church. What starts to happen in, in these years? What are some of the milestone moments for you? I wasn't going to church. I had been working really hard doing multiple jobs, and I took a job at a car dealership, and it was like a cruise job. It was like the most chill thing I could get. And it, it was like all my friends work, a bunch of my friends work there. And it, they basically said, you just drive cars around and go get food and you just hang out. And I got super lazy doing that. And I got really lazy spiritually. I stopped going to church. I started to believe I am the, oh, I am the church, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't have to go anywhere. Oh, I don't really have to do anything. Oh, that's legalistic. And then you find friends that agree with you. And then they tell you that, uh, which is such a problem in our society right now. You'll always be able to find somebody who agrees with you. Yeah. But I, it wasn't good for me at all. And so I'm, I'm falling away big time. I even had a friend call me out and he like full on rebuked me. It was on New Year's Eve one night. Wow. And he's like, dude, you used to be on fire for the Lord and you were an inspiration. And now you're, you're not. Whoa. You don't even look like a Christian. I don't even know what to do with that. And I was like furious with him. I like wanted to beat him up when I first heard it. And then I, I was sitting there and I'm like, he's freaking right. And I just Ooh. I just like listened it and I'm like, okay. I didn't respond too much. Uh, that night I went and read James and the, the end of James talks about like if a brother can, can pull a, a sinner from his ways. I forget the exact terminology, but basically like – You've saved a brother and you've saved a soul, basically. That's that's the idea. And I remember reading that and going like, oh, my gosh, like he saved me from that. And I was like, okay, I need to start figuring this out. So I started working harder at my job and I moved up. I was a finance driver. So I'd go drive around contracts all over the place. Okay. And so uh, – and it was an Orange County run on a Friday and a friend stole it from me. And that's when I ended up uh, – you know, that's the story of me pushing him and I ended up getting fired and it broke me. That broke me down big time. You didn't just like push him like a little push. No, you, like, I like threw him on I, the ground. Basically. I launched him. Yeah, I was furious. So I, I just went up to him and I grabbed him and I just I threw him like I've he was in the air for a while and he slammed on the ground. And he was bleeding and like it was a uh, I lost my temper. I, I, I snapped and I just, I hit him so hard. It was like a out of body kind of thing, which you just went to 11 like it happened. right away. It happened. It happened a lot. And I kind of learned to use that and I hadn't used it in a while, but it was still in there, which was scary because it would happen every once in a while. It would be like at, at a show and even like a friend would hit you or something and smack you in the, getting hit in the face is so offensive. You know, like you get hit in the nose or something and all of a sudden you're, you're holding someone against the wall by their throat with one arm. And you're just like, what is that? Like yeah. you're the undertaker or something or Kane or something from the, <laughs> yeah. the WWF back in the day, you know? And it was just because it was like, you know, and I just, so I'd known it was kind of an issue, but this was where it had really come out. And I was like, man, and I was really trying to walk with the Lord again at that point, And it broke me. I, I was humbled and it was God really pulled me in at that point. And that's where I ended up deciding to full on go for it, dedicate my life to the Lord, started helping out with the youth, uh, going on a mission trip, like I said, to Albania. Um, and it was the end of the hardcore scene for me for a while. Uh, and we can get into that in a second. But it was the beginning of me sanctifying and setting apart my God, setting my life apart. It's the, it was the start of 
everything good that I'm experiencing now. So you had kind of like opened up a door and had all these years where your anger was a tool that you could access and it got results. Yeah, it simplifies things really fast. And now you're walking with God and um, and trying to do life new, but you realize that there's this door that you opened up that you used all these years, and it hasn't been properly shut in a lot of ways. You have this good job, you've worked, you've gotten higher up, but then there's a dispute over, I'm assuming there was money involved in this Orange County run. Or... No, 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 it wasn't. Just be gone all day and, and just cruise, you know, listen to wow. music. That's all it was. And then the employers, even though a bunch of your friends work there, they're like, we can't have this guy assaulting an employee. So they just cut you loose. And I was like becoming an outspoken Christian there. I was starting to say it more and more. I talked to the one of the bosses everyone was scared of, but he had become a Christian and he and I were, would talk about it. And it was like, we had a real thing going on. So this happens and he pulls me into his office and he's like, I can save your job, but it's going to cause major problems here. And I said, no, 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 don't do it. Don't save my job. I said, just please forgive me, man. That was, I blew it. And he was like, dude, I get it, man. Don't worry about it. Cause I was like, I thought I ruined my witness with this guy. And we, we ended up having the conversation. I was like, let, let it go. Don't cause upheaval. Cause they weren't, people were furious about it. I just lost it for a second. He's my friend. The guy I did it to was fine within a minute. He was like, it's all good, man. I hope you don't lose your job because you know, yeah. that, that was the way we were. It rocked me because I've, I felt out of control, and I think I, there had been an element where I'm like, yeah, I'm saved, but I'm still in I, – I, I wasn't that bad. I wasn't like this, or I wasn't like, oh, I'm good. And now it's like, no, 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 you don't even have control. You don't even – what do you have? Yeah. You're, you're, you're not the master of your life, you know? Like, who, who do you think you are? And just an example of God working all things together – for the benefit of those who love him, even even the rough things is like, not that it's good that happened, but if it didn't, I wonder if you would have transferred into ministry the way you did, or if it would have happened years later, if you would have just stayed at that job or who knows, but that was a jumping off point, right? That led you to getting involved with stuff at Packing House. And then all of a sudden, here we are, you've been working ministry for like double digits, you know? Yeah. And you've had all these different seasons and worked at different churches, and it's like really built you up. And it's like, I wonder if if you would have gone the same road if you had not lost your job at that place, even though how you lost your job wasn't a great thing. No, I, I am 100% sure it wouldn't have gone exactly like this. What, what it did is it forced me to deal with my own brokenness, to deal with my own sin, to confess deeper stuff like rather than oh, i know i'm a sinner oh, i know i got issues oh, i know this is like no this is this is worse than i thought it was and to be able to come to the table and go okay i am now no longer running this program that means i don't decide oh i don't go to church oh i i don't it's like i'm doing what you say now and so i ended up going like where do i go go to the church so i ended up getting involved in the church and i end up doing my uh you know, youth ministry, and I ended up going on the mission trips. And uh, and then within probably four months of that, I was at Bible college. Which is where you meet your wife. That's where I met my wife, which is the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was like, and that's why I'm in Carlsbad too, by the way. Like, so it's like all of that comes together as like, man, that's, that's pretty wild. Like, and none of that would have, if I was comfortable, stayed where I was at. But the biggest factor is I was broken. And, and you either fall on the rock and be broken or let the rock fall on you and be crushed. 
God works through our brokenness. And it's like you choose to be broken or you become broken one way or the other. And so this was like a thing where I was exposed to my sin nature being much deeper than I thought it was and my lack of control being way broader than I thought it was. It's so cool how like you and Tori are like meant to be together. And then it's like you guys meet at a Bible college that's kind of I don't know if it's dead center, but it's kind of like the in-between ground between Redlands and Carlsbad in it's some like way. Dead, it's like dead center. It's pretty much like... It's like 45 minutes either way. Yeah, which is hilarious that you're out in Redlands, she's in Carlsbad, and you guys end up meeting at a school that's like the middle destination between those two places. It's hilarious when yeah. you think about how God kind of coordinates these things, and that you both like have a love for the hardcore scene, the punk scene. Like, it's just really funny. It's, it's so, it's really fun. Cause I think, what if she didn't, that'd be really different. <laughs> God is the great orchestrator of things. I said this to someone the other day about what I do for a living, just documentary storytelling. And it's like, especially now that my company has gone faith-based completely. I'm like, Jesus is the storyteller. I just get to hit the record button every so often. It's like, God, God is the one who, is the storyteller. The Bible shows his love for storytelling. Mm -hmm. He could have just given us like laws and commands. He gives us all these stories and he doesn't cut out when people fell. It's all in there. The valleys, the hardship, the high points, the accomplishments. And and then you see that even to this day in, in all of our lives, like just the way that like God intervenes and puts people on our road and syncs things up. So crazy how he works all these things together in a way that only God could work together, you know? Totally. Getting into ministry also uh, took you out of Death Star because they were going on a tour at the same time, right? Yeah, so they were. there was a, sh a short tour to Salt Lake that they were going to do, and it was when we were going on that mission trip. It was like our pre-trip, and it was to Mexico, same time. And then I found out that the big tour they were going to do to Illinois was exactly when we were going to Albania and Italy. And it was just like, all right, God, writing's on the wall. I remember grabbing, again, my friend Eric, and I said, hey, man, uh, I, I can't do it. He knew. He already knew it was coming because he knew my life was becoming more and more involved in, at the church. All of a sudden, I had a lot of influence there. I, would, I had a lot of grace there. These guys... A lot of older guys, pastors, they were like taking me under their wing. They showed me so much grace, dude, because I was rough around the edges. You know, I remember chasing a friend and he fell and put a hole in the hall, wall in the hall. And he's like, the youth pastor's like, fix it <laughs> by tomorrow, basically. My dad's a drywaller. So I'm like, dad, it's like 930 at night after youth group. I just, we just put a hole in the wall. Can you, can you come help? He's like. I'm on my way. So he gave me, patched it, and I painted it the next day. So cool. Yeah, it was so cool. It was just like one of those things where like, okay, whatever. But they, I, I, I had a projector that was probably worth like three grand or something that I was carrying from one building to the other, and I, I didn't zip it right, and it fell out and busted. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what is going to happen? And, and so I showed it to my higher-ups, and they went to the senior pastor, and he says, luckily, he's worth more to us than that projector. And I and and that was like a, such a big thing for me because I I always felt like even at church like man I was the odd man out which is funny because a lot of the kids you knew that were going to church they were like hammered but they wore nice clothes and they knew how to play the game I I wasn't I was just more raw and and way more of a loose cannon but yeah. like 
I never felt like value in that sense. And so now I'm like, man, I'm getting valued. Like people are saying, I see something in you, man, you should teach, man, let's get you to Bible college. Like, whoa, you know what? You're going to become an intern. Start doing Sunday mornings, third service. Okay. Now start doing it every once a month, second service too. All right. You're going to teach once a month, Tuesday nights with the youth group. And the youth group was like over a hundred kids. And so it was like, man. all of a sudden I was like, man, this is, I couldn't believe it because no one saw that from my life in high school. Nobody, nobody thought that was going to be the way I was going to go. And it was like God was saw something and then he brought people into my life that were mature and showed me how to live and walk. And they gave me grace and they knew I was going to blow it and I did. And then they tell me the truth and be honest and be fun. They were so fun. It was just, it was such a sweet time in my life. Uh, and I'm so grateful for it. Do you think that's a good charge for like... Pastor Joe Fury up at his place, I spend a lot of time with him and he's like, people are so quick to sometimes tell you where you're going wrong, but then if they want to give you a compliment, they'll start it with like, oh, I don't want you to get a big head, but that was a good message today, you know? And it's like, we're so quick to like keep our thumb over you or it's like, if I'm going to give you a compliment or tell you you have potential or tell you like, I could see there's a call on you or like, you're really good at this. I've got to like preface that with like, Hey, but don't think too highly of yourself, you know? Right. But hey, hey, here's these things. But then it's like, if I'm going to tell you where there's like sin in your life or like things that are are hurting you, it's like, I'm so quick to like, let me give you a 20 minute synopsis of like this thing that's going wrong in your life. That stuff gets through to people when it's like, you have potential, you're loved, you are good at things, you are, you have a great heart. And there's some other stuff too, and that's okay. But it's like keeping people close. I don't know. Am I no, on a tangent? No, here? no, you're you're absolutely right. I think that's part of leading is like you see stuff in people they can't see in themselves. Yeah. And, and as you as you like expose them to it, it like they come alive, and then they're really willing to work on the stuff that's holding them back. I, I that's one of the things I'm trying to do with my kids a lot is like you guys know how valuable you are. Do you know how important you are? Do you know what you bring to the table? Not yeah. in like a narcissistic, like I'm a perfect little whatever. Like, no, it's like, but you got to know your value, right? For my yeah. girls so that they don't think that they're, they have no value. So they're going to give themselves to whoever gives them attention. Attention is a, is a counterfeit to value. Yeah. You know, like we value you. You're, you are so valuable. You are so special. Like God has made you unique and and for his purpose. And he's got such good plans for your life. That That's the yeah. way you come into it. Yeah, because you'd never hear someone say, you know, when they're c- correcting, like, I don't want to crush your spirits, but I just want to encourage you in this way. You take Whoa. that a lot better if you heard that, right? Yeah. As opposed to like, I don't want you to get a big head, but, you know, I think God's gifted you in this way. You're like, uh, right? <laughs> I don't want you to get a big head, but I actually just listen to you, like what you said. It's like, no, who would do that, you know? Like, yeah. So it's like coming at it from that place of love and care. Um, I felt genuinely loved and cared, and I thought they looked at me like, man, they really liked me. And I thought that was so sweet and cool, and it felt like home. Your story, it seems like God needed to take you out of the hardcore scene for a little bit so that you could love and experience that scene for what it is. Um, Yeah, kicking and screaming, but yeah. Taking away some of the elements that were hurting you so that you could, you still love hardcore music. Uh, You still, your family's immersed in it. You have talked about starting to take canon to shows. That's something you want to do. A bunch of guys from all these bands are still hanging around you. You're still friends. Like 
all of that's still there, but you had to get out of it for a little bit just to be freed up from some of the stuff. And I think the hate breed show story highlights that in an easy to understand way. So can you give me back context to that show, what happened at that show and what the deeper theme of that was? Yes, this this was all part of like that process where I was really being set apart. Like God was like really trying to pull me out from my doing everything my own way. Hardcore, like everything else, it could be great servant, terrible master. Uh, God had called me and said, like, I knew I was not supposed to go to certain shows. I knew I wasn't supposed to. I knew I could go to a few, but I was, I basically said, I'm not going to these kind of shows. And I basically explained it. And I said it to some of my friends. And then all of a sudden, Haybreed came into town. And Haybreed is, was brutal, dude. And I'm like, I'm not going, I'm not going to that show. And I, but it was brutal because they don't come around all the time. They're from Connecticut. And, uh, but they were the biggest band at the time. And so this my, is like probably off the heels of perseverance and like kind of before it. Okay. This is before perseverance. But for anyone not familiar, like a very heavy band, but also a very diverse crowd. Right. So it's not necessarily anything against the band or anything. It's just like the nature of what those shows are completely aligns with the show that you felt like I should not be at. I yeah. know what to expect at that show, and it's probably not a place I should be right now. Yeah, if nothing else, I mean, it was really not because I was scared at all, but it was because I, I knew it, w- it wouldn't, it would set me back. We all know that how that feels, this, those kind of scenes. Yeah. So I had told that to my friend, and one of them, and I showed up at the show because my friend called me up, hey, man. You got to come to the show. Like, let's go. Let's go to Hatebreed. My good friend, Nick. I love this guy. I never told him I wasn't going to go. He he would have been the guy with the integrity that said, don't, because I didn't want to tell him. And I was like, all right, I'll go. So I get in the car. <laughs> yeah. It's like a Sunday night. We get out there. All my friends are there. Like, all the Redlands kids are there. It's probably, like, I don't know, 40 or 50 Redlands kids there. Tons. Older yeah. kids, older guys, younger guys, everybody. And I'm like, yeah, this is this is where I need to be. One of them comes up to me and says, I thought you said you weren't going to shows like this. Oh, no, that's not what I meant. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, I, I denying like Jesus. Like, no, no, I don't know him, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I was like, okay, whatever. So I got in. I'm not going to dance. I'm not going to dance. I'm not going to be part of this because I knew it was going to be brutal. And uh, psh, dude, as soon as they started playing, I was like, no, we're doing this. And I'm thinking, all oh, my friends are here. We're good. And I kick someone. And they kicked me back, and then I just donkey kicked the heck out of them, which is part of the thing, right? I just put my foot into someone's chest super hard because I thought they were being cheap kicking me or whatever. And so right. next thing I knew, I was getting choked. I had like guy on my on my neck, full on Brazilian jiu-jitsu, rear naked choke, and I'm just getting punched and kicked from every direction. Like seven or eight guys just going, and I couldn't get them off. I passed out, getting stomped and kicked or whatever. Wake up outside, head split open. All my friends were watching another fight where this skin head was getting beaten up down the street. I just am sitting there. I like two friends like try to help me, but I was, it's just not going to happen. Head split open, nose is busted, waking up going like, what's going on? And my friends are like, who did this? Like, they're like ready to go do something real bad. Right. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, and the next day, even my friend said, who, who did it? I'm like going to find him. And I'm like, this is me. This is me being disobedient. This is the Lord showing me I'm being disobedient. I told the whole story and it was like a hard lesson, but I was like, 
yeah, you know what? It's kind of like the children of Israel. They're, they stay in that blessable, blessable position. God blesses them, dude. Yeah, you guys are going to prosper. You guys are going to do well. Like, I'm going to make you my representative. You step outside of that and you lose your covering. And it's I'm going to use these other nations as a tool to show you that you really need to honor me and follow me because you don't know where you're going. And so it that was another landmark moment. That and me getting fired were the two of the biggest moments where I was broken I was undone. I was like humbled to the lowest level I've ever been humbled to. Right. And it was the two probably most impactful moments on where I'm at now because it uh, it was like, oh gosh, okay. And I received it, man. Okay, Lord, I get it. And it wasn't like if a viewer were to mistake it as like God punishing you, like I pressed on you not to go to the show and you went and this is what you get. God was trying to protect you from some of the cancerous nature to like some of the things hurting you at the time. So you went to a hate breed show and I believe this one's at glass house, which is a great venue. It's a big venue. So even with sound, even with 50 Redlands kids there, that's a lot of kids, but this is a big venue. There's probably hundreds of people in this venue, maybe a thousand. Yeah. It's a great venue. There's a balcony. Like a lot of us have been to shows there. It's a big room. You had a false sense of security to how many of you guys are there. So you were comfortable. You went into the pit and essentially got into a little quarrel with someone who you didn't even really see, but someone kicked you, kicked him back, which is not uncommon. But that guy obviously had friends with him and your friends were outside and they swarmed you and you didn't just get you know smacked in the head and it's embarrassing you left. It's like they legitly jumped you and like, did some damage yeah it, it wasn't like a lenient thing it's like they split your head open and yeah we had to put it together at my friend's house we put i didn't have health insurance so we took butterfly strips and put it all back together and I it mean, held that's gnarly it held man that's gnarly that's yeah. like no mercy in the mosh pit like just swarming a guy you know well is it was here's the issue is that hardcore was still part of my identity so i couldn't let go of it that was like who i was you know, and I still say, oh, yeah, my hardcore kid. But that's like it's not it's not even close to being on the throne of my heart. Like it's Jesus, dude. Like I love being from the hardcore scene. I love I still listen to it. I still play it. Like you said, my wife listens to it. She loves it. My kids listen to it. They love it. You know, like and so there's like there's no problem with that. But like the, my identity was still, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a Redlands hardcore kid. And we we don't, we're not going to lose here. We're going to be the alphas of that situation or whatever. And it was like, yeah, well, you're alone, bud. Good luck. And I remember just trying to pull him off and looking around and seeing nobody. And just like, oh no. And I'm like getting literally just boom, getting punched and kicked. And I was like, what? Are, what? Are, what's this going to look like? You know, the lot goes through your head really quick when you're passing out within, like, seriously, probably five seconds. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been, I would say, seriously jumped once before, but it's a pretty helpless feeling when you just see the flashes of kicks hitting you in the face and you're just like, I'm at their mercy right now of when they decide to stop beating on me because I'm outnumbered. I can't get off the ground right now. And this is just what it is. I have to just endure until this is done. Yeah. It's a very helpless feeling. And then I'm sure right after you're like, man, this was so preventable. Yeah. I immediately had that clarity. I, I, I really did. I immediately had that clarity. Like, this is on me. I knew it. And so it's like, all right, God, I repent. 
<laughs> and then I was really taken out of the hardcore scene for kind of a long time. I didn't really have anything to do with any of it for a while because I ended up doing doing the church, doing the mission stuff. And then when I came back, it was all in its proper place. Like this is this stuff is great, but it's not it's not everything, you know. And I think that scene of people does crave and champion authenticity. Yeah. And I think that has been a really cool thing in both of our lives. Definitely. I feel the most punk rock hardcore that I've ever felt in my life right now. In the sense of I feel the most authentic in the way that I like live my life now. Because I think even then there was a level of authenticity, but there's also a level of bravado and, and false posturing in a sense. Uh, yeah. But to me, I feel like there's no more true authentic self you can have except from we've talked about this in christ because if 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 we believe that god created us then we believe that he knows what's made best for us and i would encourage you as we've done in other episodes god does not want to make you into like a clone robot to look like everybody else no he wants you to this is where you'll actually see you're super diverse this is where you'll actually see you bring something to the table and that the church is missing you you're part of this and everybody that's not part of it that god's created everyone with like gifts and 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 things that we're to walk in you know like that he's got a plan and a vision and a and an idea of like what he has for us laid out for us and so you're part of this and we're missing you if you have real questions search search for real answers because i really believe they're there and and that's not false that's not like oh you're getting paid to do this or whatever it's like you could get paid a lot more to do a lot easier stuff, you know? Agreed, yeah. But, but like, this is this is the thing. Like, I don't know where else to go. I know he's real, so there's nowhere else for me to go. And so, like, there's no truer sense than that. And so to live in alignment with that is to live in the most integrity you can possibly live in, in a sense. And to know also you don't stop blowing it. Like, do you feel like a failure? Join the club. Like we all blow it. We all mess up. We all make mistakes. We all have to like constantly repent and change our minds about who's in charge of our life. And But to trust God and know God took me, man, he's taken me places I'd never imagine I'd go. He's blessed me in ways I've never thought I'd imagine I'd be blessed in. There's like this life that I'm living, it's it's like not like a health wealth, like, you know, trust God and he'll give you a thousand mansions, you know. But there's <laughs> yeah. like a part of it where it's like it is rich. And, it, and it's a bigger vision than I had for my own life. It wasn't because I planned it out. God brought me here through lots of hard things, through lots of gnarly stuff. But like he, he's proved himself over and over again to be incredibly good and incredibly faithful and worthy of giving our lives to him. I don't think, I think we all would say, hey, if I could find someone that's that good that really cares and really has that much power and that much love, I'd submit to that. He's there. He exists. And you go, okay, I'm aligning with you. And you know who I am. And you've created me uniquely with the mind that you have, with the disposition you have, with the body you have, with the background you have. With like all of that in mind, he has a specifically planned, we love custom stuff, custom shoes, custom hat, custom whatever, because <laughs> yeah. it fits perfectly. Why? It's like, because it was made customly for you. So you don't want to throw like a generic thing at it. It's like God has a perfectly planned custom life for you set apart. 
I love that. So good. Well, hey, if you're out there and you heard this and you have questions, we encourage you reach out through the Voyager podcast Instagram. Um, on the link tree, there's a contact form. You could reach us at contact at calvarycarlsbad.com. We have pressed people on hard questions. When we were searching and trying to figure this out, we are not opposed to people asking us about, you know, theology or some challenging things or, or clarification things, or you just want to encourage us. We're always um, open to you guys reaching out. I hope that you found some relatable elements. And Chris, thank you for being open and, and vulnerable about your story. Yeah, man. Yeah, you have any closing thoughts, Chris? No, I think that's thanks for hanging in there and and hearing. The, again, we love stories. God loves stories, and uh, we pray that you find yourself in that sense. Like, oh man, I'm not alone, um, and you can see what God can do in a life. Yeah, and we'll see you in the next one. Thanks for tuning in to the Voyager Podcast. If you'd like to reach out, you can reach us through Instagram at the Voyager Podcast or through contact at calvarycarlsbad.com. We hope this has been encouraging for you. Until next time.